Hi, and welcome to this Adoptee Life podcast. I'm Amanda, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. This Adoptee Life is where adoptees can come to explore our story, share our experience, and speak our truth in support and community with each other and the world. If you are a fellow adoptee, my wish is that you will find comfort, support, validation, and even hope in the things that you will hear from me and my guests on this podcast. Just know you are not alone. If you're not an adoptee, I welcome you and I invite you to listen in and learn from the things that you will hear about here. Some of it will be new, some of it will be hard, and all of it will be important to know about in connection to adoption. Please follow this Adoptee Life podcast and consider leaving a review. I would love to hear from you and it would help to grow this podcast so that it can reach more people, more people can find out that we're here and can come listen and more adoptees can hear from other fellow adoptees. In today's episode, I sit down in a wonderful conversation with fellow adoptee Lore. She shares from her story, her life, about reunion, and she also, we go beyond and talk about healing, the work that it is, why it can be really hard, and what works for her, and how she's using that to help support fellow adoptees out there. Thank you for being here. Now, let's listen in to today's episode. Today, I welcome Lorraine Gerald on the show. She's a fellow adoptee, and she's working to offer support to fellow adoptees, and she's using her story and experience to share in the hopes that fellow adoptees will know that they are not alone. I love that, and I feel like we have that in common. So I really look forward to today's conversation with you, Laurie. Thank you so much for, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to hand it over to you right away so that you can introduce yourself and share some of your story with us. Thank you, Amanda. And I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. Uh, We need more adoptees telling their stories and sharing what they're going through and what helps them. So I just want to thank you for uh, allowing me to be here today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I I so agree with that, that we got to be in it together and, and we can grow stronger in community. So, and I can't wait to also talk a little bit about what's, what's helped you and and I can share as well. I do appreciate being part of the adoptee community. And last year when I had started, I was finding my voice Mm -hmm. and people like you and others uh, brought me uh, more forward as the adopted chameleon. Um, As a matter of fact, I was just on with Michelle from Baby Be Brave doing yoga and now it's my turn to give back. So that's what we were doing is showing adoptees or anyone how to heal trauma and Mm -hmm. to support yourself in your healing journey through movement and breath. Mm. I am a domestic adoptee 
from the baby scoop era. Mm. It was a closed adoption. Uh, for those that don't know what a closed adoption is, it, I had no records that I could look at, no birth certificate, no health history. Uh, I couldn't contact my family, uh, nothing like that. So as a child, my adoptive parents did tell me that I was adopted. So I did know growing up, I don't recall ever um, what year it was. I don't have that memory. I just always knew. Yeah. Uh, they made it seem very, very normal, but it was to the point that I felt like something was wrong with me because I didn't feel right. But everyone else made it feel so normal that I, I blame myself. And of course, I had to be the wrong one because I was given away, right? So therefore, that validated my opinion of myself. So at that young age, I had learned that I was the problem and I kept it inside for, well, pretty much most of my life until my 50s. <laughs> And then it came out. And, and, and the more that I'm hearing that it's uh, common for closed adoptions, uh, that they don't talk about it after until the adoptive parents are past or they're older, yeah. uh, especially when you have no contact with a birth parent. I did this year find my birth father. Hmm. My birth mother died in 2016. She never spoke to me. But my birth father, I found through DNA and talking to cousins on ancestry and 23 and me. And, and that's the other thing. Um, closed adoptions are still legal, but they should no longer exist because of obviously we can find each other through readily DNA and social yeah. media and things. And we ask questions, right? Because everyone wants that happy ending of you found someone and they of course, don't know what happens after, hey, you found them. And then there's reunion, which is a whole nother story. Right. <laughs> there's yeah. multiple layers to this adoption. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, Amanda? <laughs> yeah, I can already relate to so much of what you're saying, uh, especially this, this being so normal and, and overcompensating to right. make it so normal that if I don't feel like it's okay, then something's wrong with me and keeping that, yeah, you know, just carrying that in silence and almost crumbling under the guilt of even feeling that Yes, but my inner world, I've said before, my inner world was in constant contradiction with my outer world. Like there was no agreement because right. there was no space for me to express these emotions. And that's with adoptive parents who just like yours, like it was very open. It was very, um, you know, as a transnational adoptee, I had zero, you know, it's as close as it could ever be. Right, so right. No access to anything. Um, but just not having the space, even though they said, you know, oh, you can ask questions. Right. We're, we're here. We we can talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you ever want to search and all that. But then once I did, right. it was like that, you know, like yeah. the defensive walls came up. And um, Right. And, and I relate to that because uh, when I did, was legally able to search in 1995, the state of Tennessee, where I was adopted, uh, said, hey, we're gonna let adoptees have uh, some information. So I wrote them and they said, yes, for a fee, we'll do mm -hmm. a search for you. And for a fee, 
we'll give you some information. So I was like, okay, well, I'm a struggling student waiting tables. I don't have any money. That's a lot of money to me. How can I get this information? So I had to embarrassingly show that I didn't have enough money to get this information. So I was already begging for my own information. And then I had to go through the financial embarrassment, you know, that I couldn't pay it. And then they eventually lowered the cost to me. Oh, (laughs) how kind of, right? Yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through all of that. That's another thing. Yeah, it's another thing. Yes. And and I paid again in 2020 for the rest of it. But that's a whole nother story. And 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 25 cents for each page they printed. (laughs) 25 cents for each page they printed on top of the fee oh, to get not- access to your own own information information that should have never been hidden or taken from you in right. the first place but that's legal yeah legal yeah and i think this is why we talk about this mm, absolutely and i it was one line that you wrote uh in in relation to this when in your email to me before this uh recording and you said my rights were never considered Yes. And I found that to be such a strong and powerful statement that I think many adoptees can relate to. And that is kind of like the heart of the problem, right? And I've asked this question. Right. I, I just recently asked in another, uh, talking with another fellow adoptee in a different episode, who has a right to what? How right. is it that people can extend this understanding to anyone but the adoptee when it comes to wanting to know your, uh, your history, your origin? Right. Go on right. now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ours. I mean, I had to pay for my birth certificate, mm-hmm. a significant amount of money and had to basically beg for it. Yeah. And then I wasn't allowed to have health history. I, I'm. <laughs> that was big what? for me. Um, that was one of the things that pulled me out of the fog, I would say, because <clears throat> once I had my own children and my entire life, I had been able to normalize and minimize the fact that I didn't have my own medical history was like, oh, I'm adopted, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. It's just how it is. But once I started taking my kids to the doctors and I couldn't fill out the paperwork for them, now it was like half of their history is missing. What if I'm carrying something? I would want to know that for my children. And then why wouldn't adoptive parents want to know that for their children? That one baffles me. I would think yeah. that that would be one of the first things that they would need to know. I never had children. And that was one of the reasons because I didn't know what I was or who I was and what was inside of me. And I knew I felt weird and different and wrong. So I thought, well, I can't give that to somebody else. How can I give that to somebody else? I don't know what I have. And just my um, birth mother had breast cancer twice, twice. She died from it in 2016. I was never informed. Both my sisters on her side had it too. One of them when I met her and yeah, that information was something that I should have had. Yeah. <laughs> I should have had that information a long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's not I'm right. So sorry. It's, it's, it's yeah. It, it, things that can literally save your life or change your life should be included in any adoption. Why that is still legal to not have that information is just, it's baffling to me. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. Um, but, um, oh, I was going to go to um, yeah. my reunion in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1995, I, I wrote to the state of Tennessee. So they did this search. Um, 
I got a letter back saying the search had ended and here's your non-identifying information. That's all it said. That's all it said. They never said that they had talked to my mother or not. All I got was a piece of paper, <laughs> one little piece of paper uh, that, and oddly had her name and address on it. Oh. I don't know if that was supposed to be in there or not, but I got it. And um, my adoptive cousin found her. It was a year, year and a half after that. So 96, 97-ish uh, after that, found her and spoke to her. And she said that if I tried, well, number one, she was mad that I got my birth certificate. Yikes. And then she said that she would get a restraining order if I tried to find her. So she said her exact quote was, I don't want my husband or my daughters to find out. So I don't know what I was since I was the firstborn. I don't know what I was. Uh, but her husband had been deceased for four years. So honestly, she was only keeping me from my two sisters. Oh, yeah, that was the only thing she was keeping me from, which I now have met. So basically, she made herself voiceless in the inevitable. So I always try to tell people, I put it out there all the time. If you're doing this to an adoptee, please stop for your own good. Don't leave yourself voiceless go talk to your adoptee. My mother did everything wrong, everything. And now I'm here picking up the pieces. I met my father. I met my sisters, everything that she kept private to herself and died with my information intact, mm. having all of that information and never giving it to me. I had to pay for it all financially and through a painful rejection and trauma. I have to go to therapy. <laughs> I need my yoga and my meditation. That is part of my therapy. <laughs> so that's why I tell my story. A lot of this maybe could have been prevented. I, I believe that the relinquishment trauma starts at the relinquishment moment when you are in, in uh, when it's nonverbal. And it sets into your body because trauma doesn't know time. Right. So I believe that. But maybe some of it could have been made better by her at least acknowledging me as a living, breathing human being and not making me feel like I did something wrong. Yeah. Because these weren't my decisions. None of this. I didn't ask to be adopted by my adopted parents. I didn't ask to be given away by her. So. I own my responsibility in it and healing myself and being a, a person that's trying to give back. But she never had any accountability or responsibility ever. And my adoptive parents just thought love was enough. Hmm. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. But I needed a little bit more. And in that moment, when my cousin told me that my parents really didn't do anything, you know, and I, I, I completely forgot that. I put that aside. I never remembered it until uh, it was January of 2020. No, December of 20, uh, 2019. It came back and then it started flooding into January of 2020, where I basically almost had a complete mental collapse because I remembered 
everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I thank you for sharing, um, being so open and, and really it's courageous. Every time I hear adoptees share, even though I'm one of them who's kind of open with my own story, I, I still, I am so amazed when I hear fellow adoptees sharing so open-heartedly uh, with the purpose of helping others. Um, so thank you so much. And I am so, I'm sorry. I, I feel it in my heart, this heaviness that you had to go through those things. And knowing that um, other adoptees are also going through the right. same thing. And um, so, yeah, there's, there is so much trauma that people do not understand and that we don't necessarily understand ourselves until right. maybe we're faced with it in a way that there's no more running away. There's no more um, pushing it deep down. For me, it came out as anger and, yes, and anxiety. Anger. <laughs> um, yeah. And as, as I say that out loud more, I get the same reaction from other adoptees like, yep, I know what you're talking about. It's a normal feeling. Yeah. It's a normal feeling. My psychologist said, hey, that's normal. She goes, I'm glad you actually feel that because that's yeah. normal. She goes, now what do we do about it? Yes, exactly. I love that you that you say that because that is where I'm, I'm sort of understanding how it all connects, where we're having very normal reactions to right. a completely unnatural uh, situation that we Bingo. have been through. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I you know, I, I'll now be having been the compliant adoptee my entire life up until age 32, about uh, always staying in my lane, keeping quiet, mm -hmm. adjusting to the situation. I can definitely relate to that yeah, chameleon yeah, yeah. that you're talking about, like very much a chameleon mm -hmm. um, <laughs> in any settings. So I always said like, you know, I can, I can just walk in anywhere and fit right in, but right. then I never really belong anywhere. I always exactly. feel like an athlete. <laughs> it's the hyper vigilant. Yeah. Um, and how today, on the other hand, I look back and I say, you know, maybe the adoptees that always struggle, that were always, you know, outward about it, the ones who I guess get diagnosed with RAD, um, reactive mm -hmm. attachment disorder, whatever it's called, which and we, many that, other that's things questionable. Um, but yeah, and maybe those were the ones who were actually on point this whole time, right? Like right. they were, they were seeing the whole what was so wrong and right. actually acting it out but um yeah, yeah so I, thank you for sharing your reunion story and I read somewhere and you touched on this a little bit that I think it was an intro of yours on Facebook where you say that you took to yoga and Reiki to heal yes um, and I've heard the same for, from others and so I think that Reiki would, would help me. I, I'm yes. someone who's, I will probably start looking into that rather than traditional talk therapy. Um, because you I believe it. it yeah. And I think you it's it so in us, in our body, right? Our body right. went through this trauma. But what made you start to even get to the point of daring? Because I think it takes courage to want to heal. And maybe that's what your first mother missed or, or lacked. But yeah. um, what? What brought you to say, you know what? Okay, I, it's time for me to start working on myself, to heal myself. And then how did that bring you to the yoga and Reiki? And I would love for you to talk a little bit about how specifically to the adoptee experience those things can, can help. Well, luckily, I've always um, been physically active. So um, mm -hmm. 
I've just always done that. That's probably just been intuitively my body. I used to shake when I was a kid, I would, I would shake and people would be like, are you cold, sweetie? You know, they look down at me, are you cold? Do you need a sweater or something? And for some reason I would get mad instantly when they would ask me mm-hmm. and I never understood why I was mad. Uh, and I would just go, yeah, I'm cold, you know, get me something. But I didn't know I was shaking until they called me out on it. And then I'd get mad and it didn't make and it. And I guess when my brain went, why are you shaking? I, anger was the, what came out, but I never realized what it was until much later, my body was shaking to release the energy, the trauma. Mm-hmm. That's what it was doing. And it was just sporadically doing it when it needed to do it. So now I know what it was doing and why I got mad <laughs> because I didn't understand what I was doing. Yeah. But um, it was probably, it was in 2016 when I was introduced to Kundalini yoga. I hated it. Oh, I'm just going to be honest. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I thought it was horrible. And I hear people still this day go, I don't, I don't like Kundalini yoga. <laughs> Would you mind just like defining a little bit what that is? Cause I, I'm not a yoga yes. savvy person at all. Yoga sure. to me is just like the upward doggo. Yeah. <laughs> like the pretty yeah. movements. Yeah. That's Hatha yoga. Hatha yeah. yoga is what you're probably used to seeing. Mm-hmm. That's the pretty movements and, and people posting those pretty bendy things. And that's wonderful. Uh, Yes, flexibility, our bodies need it. And that's wonderful. Kundalini yoga aligns the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. It uses it through the breath and movement. What it does is it basically stresses the body through the breath in a way that's healthy. And that's why I didn't like it. (laughs) It was making my body basically go into a fight or flight moment. And I was having to sit there, chant and breathe through it. I was having to focus on it, Mm. but I did it in a healthy manner with controlled breath and through mantras. Once my body started relaxing into it, it took me a while. I'd say easily a month or so. I don't even know why I kept doing it, honestly, Amanda. (laughs) Intuition. There was something in there that you probably felt. Something told me. Yeah. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And when I did, and it finally, my body just kicked in and they call this Kundalini rising. Oh, I, I instantly knew it. It was like something in my body completely aligned. Uh, light bulbs went off. I mm. it, literally, my body felt completely different. And I was like, oh, this is what you're supposed to feel like. And it was literally that moment this is what you're supposed to feel like. And I was like, what had I been doing? And then it was like, kind of like a panic, you know? So then you do, you go, oh, okay, I have to learn more. What's going on? And so it just started a spiral. So I've learned one thing and another thing, and I would read and read and read, but it was literally coming out of the fog that pushed me into becoming a Reiki master and Kundalini instructor. And it was not my desire to do either one of those two. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I kind of thought Reiki was a bunch of hooey too. <laughs> right. Well, I think a lot I, of people. I, yeah. I, I believed in a lot of things, but I was just like, I don't see how people just holding their hands over you can help you Right. until I did it. And I felt it and I experienced it and stop being so closed-minded and let myself open up my possibilities to what 
could actually be true instead of just what I had learned myself. And that's when light bulbs started going off. I was like, that's what this is. That's what all of this is. That's what Kundalini is. That's what Reiki is. That's what meditation is. It's opening your mind to a possibility of things that can be. And it's calming your mind down to stop that frantic chatter that's going on all the time so that you can be open to those things. Yeah. But yeah, literally the Reiki just, someone suggested to me, they had done some Reiki on me and they said, I think you'd be really good at this. We have a class coming up. Why don't you sign up? So I went, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Why don't I go do that? And even during the class, it was just so amazing because my brain kept going, oh my God, oh my God. And I would just feel something more and more and more. And by the, the end of the two days, I was a completely changed human again. Wow. Yeah. I think that well, good thing you went to that class, even if it was just <laughs> like, okay, whatever, I'll try it out. Um, and I think that's sometimes how life plays out. The most significant things we look back later and don't, didn't realize in the moment, but afterwards we can see like, oh, that was a, a key, yeah, a key moment. Um, but I wanted to say, and I'm thinking as you're talking about this and, and your fear of uh, going there and, and, you know, how you didn't like it at first. I think so much for adoptees, at least for me, and, and you let me know if you relate. Okay. Um, it's about just surviving certain situations, certain interactions, because going back to the trauma, you know, we live in survival mode, which is extremely right. exhausting because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of energy. It takes constant, uh, I've always been very aware, self-aware, but also aware of my surrounding yes. and based my, my interaction, how I behave on what I perceive. So it's my perception of what you might think of me as I'm saying certain things. So it's back and forth in my head as I'm talking, analyzing a situation where it's all just assumptions, really, because right. you might... Um, really enjoy this conversation, but you make one little move with your, your mouth or your face or your eyes. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, that now I said something. And then it just right. rails from there. And so this idea of welcoming the unknown sitting, I'm super fascinated by hypnotherapy, but I am scared to death because I don't know what might come up. I don't know the idea of going into a situation where I have to surrender control entirely because yeah. now we're going into my subconscious yep. Ooh, that's yeah super scary and, yeah i am looking for a hypnotherapist i am so trying to find the right one because mm. i want to do it really bad and i'm ready i am at that point now that i know i can do this but okay. i have i haven't found the right one so i'm hoping that i will find the right one because that's another thing that i haven't done that was a healing modality suggested to me that I'm highly interested in. Uh, EMDR is another one that uh, a lot of adoptees should try is EMDR. Um, Definitely the adoptee support groups, talking to other adoptees, like what we're doing just right now and hopefully people listening to us. Yeah, for sure. It'll it'll resonate. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things when I first came into the adoptee spaces online that to just see other people speak on their experience and say these things out loud and survive it 
Yes. I, I oftentimes uh, refer back to Anne Heffern on this because yes. I felt like when I came, she was so almost awkwardly okay. well, honest sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, but here she is. She's surviving it. And if she yep. can, then I can too. And so little by little, I started sharing in groups and then the blog. And um, that so was think- my story too. I met yeah. Anne. <laughs> so Anne, I took a class of Anne's and um I actually then met some other adoptees that now have groups and I've taken their groups. Oh, awesome. So yeah, the adoptee writing, uh, whether you're doing it for content like a blog or to be published, which I've now been published. I now have a blog, all of these things that I never, another thing I never planned on doing, but here I am. Um, it's, if you want to do it that way, that's perfect. If not, just do it for your own in a journal. That's another really good therapy for adoptees or any trauma survivor is journaling. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. I always did that growing up. I would always write. And I, I say that sometimes I didn't know. And still to this day, it's how I make sense of everything. Um, yes. Sometimes I don't know what I think about something until I see what I wrote about it. It's kind of almost because it comes out in writing. It comes from this place where almost like the subconscious in a way. Um, And that's one reason why I love when people want to share on the blog, their adoptee story, because it takes analyzing, it takes processing as you're writing it. and, And hopefully while it's about getting your story out there, it's also about just what it does for you while you're writing it. And, and it's cyclical because you're healing and your healing heals other people. I always yeah. say this in my yoga classes, heal yourself and heal, you heal the world. Um, and it is because that's the cyclical part of it. I, and also some adoptees can't say their feelings out loud. I know adoptees that write, you know, under a different name. They, yeah. they put out books under different names mm-hmm. and this is how they're surviving because they still have to stay basically in a closet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have that option for people that write on the blog right. um, that you can be completely anonymous. If that's what you, your voice is still as important as anybody right. else's because it is still your lived experience right. that you share with the world. So, and yeah. you can go by whatever name you want. As long as you're I mean, they slapped a different name on us in the first place, did they not? So right. you know, I'm adopted <laughs> chameleon now. That. That's the name I picked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um I love how you share about your healing. I think that that is so important that we talk about our story right to relate with other adoptees but then we go the next step and say like here are some things that has helped me and um what are i'm sorry what it's the other half you know you yes you need to talk about the pain because we need to release it and it and it does help other people but what's the solution so let's try to you know what helped you or or and and also uh it helps other people maybe try something new i did pole dancing no, you did it. Yeah, I, I did. love that. I did I mean, I to... <laughs> okay, dig into that. It was bit. not pretty. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed that so much and I would do it again. I love that. That movement and that swirling and yeah, <laughs> I love fun. That. Okay. I did a and... smash house too. I went in and just smashed up. <laughs> Ooh, we were just talking about that yesterday. It was um, so fun. Table. 
I have to try that because honestly, when I get angry, um, mm-hmm. that is my instinct is to like smash things, break things. I, I need to I get very destructive yes, on the inside. Too. But, you know, obviously that's not a healthy way to, to no. let that out. But I think it would be in a controlled environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I didn't break like a fist or a toe from kicking oh, something or hitting something. <laughs> And that's the best part. You don't hurt yourself. You just go in there and then you come out smiling and laughing. Mm. Yeah. Become something positive instead, which is really good when you can flip your negative emotions, not in a toxic, positive kind of way where it's like, Oh, I'll just smile and everything will be fine. Right. No, not actually release it and get it out. and We alchemize it. We can Mm. alchemize the energy. That's what Reiki basically is. You know, I channel energy through and then, rearrange your energy in another way to alchemize so maybe you can get into a position that you can move it out yourself yeah so it's kind of like steps like my dog's alchemizing his energy right now barking (laughs) so just a little bit more on this movement thing because i when i was younger and this is why i was so drawn to when you said that you use uh, movement to release negative energy uh I read that somewhere. I think it was in the same intro as I, you know, with the yoga and Reiki for healing. And I used to say, so in my, I don't know, since I was 20 until having kids, um, I used to go out and dance. Yeah. Friday and Saturday, I lived in New Jersey and New York. So, you know, clubs were open yeah. all night long and I was not out partying so much as just out to dance. And I used to yeah. say dancing is my therapy. It is uh, not understanding because I was very much in the fogs. So I didn't understand that I said, no matter what mood I'm in, when I dance, I am the best version of myself. And just looking back now, and, and when I read those words that you wrote, yeah. I was like, of course. Well, then coming out of the fog happened when uh, my kids were just, they were still very young. So I was not out dancing anymore. And so all of a sudden, you know, the puzzle pieces came together mm. for me and like, yeah, of course it started coming out in my everyday right. life instead, because I didn't have that releasing of just being out dancing right. um, twice a week, every well, week. Shamans, the first thing they'll ask you is, when did you stop dancing? When a sick person would come in the tribe to the shaman, that's the first thing the shaman says is, when did you stop dancing? Because they understand that movement is the key to moving that negative energy. We have to, we can talk, which we need to. Yes, cognitive therapy is important. Find a good therapist, not not one that doesn't understand adoptees, especially. I had a horrible experience with one just recently. And the only thing that I can say is, thank goodness she was honest, but she told me that um, she was biased basically because her best friend had two adopted children. And she wouldn't listen to anything I was saying. So I really left that uh, session upset. And now I'm in search of a new therapist, but I will be interviewing them. But anyway, yes, we need to talk to people, (laughs) good people, movement, got to move, got to dance, got to walk the dog, got to run, got to jog, got to do whatever it is that makes you happy. That, you know, if it is going to that club, music is another really big key. If you've ever gone to like a sound healing with the sound balls and stuff, they can take you to different places. I mean, it is life-changing. I was like on another planet once (laughs) from a sound healing. It was amazing. So I highly recommend that too. Yeah, I've been to 
twice I've been to. So mm-hmm. I connect this, this past year has been very interesting because I've connected with people who are intuitives, who are healers, who are, and I, you know, I guess the timing is right. I'm ready to hear what they have to say and how they can pour into me. So uh, this, this whole conversation is so timely for me. I love it because I want to put it out there for other adoptees that not to say you have to do this or you have to do that, but just give hope. There is hope. If you are in that dark space where you are just coming out of the fog or um, you're just entering the realms of digging into your past and and wherever you are in your journey there is hope it takes courage it takes a lot of work it's not going to be easy you know no. <laughs> one point I call it my eat pray love moment where I felt so broken I was like yes. there's no way up from here there's no way back out the light is just that's it it's done I'm on autopilot because I have two kids so you know giving up was not an option right. um, and something kept me and I, you know I just woke up in the morning and I went to bed the night and I functioned in between but there is hope um, there is. to get to a place where, you know, the trauma is always going to be there. There's always going right. to be things coming up. But on, yes. on an everyday level in my everyday life, I function. And actually, I'm more than functioning. I, I can say that I'm doing well. I feel yeah. good. good. And as an adoptee, that's, you know. <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's the point that exactly where we need to get to, because yes, the trauma is always going to be there. Uh, we don't have to deny it. We don't have to act like it's not there. I'm not saying, you know, love and light it. Oh, it's fine. You know, just smile. You know, I'm not saying that. Uh, but we can get to a point the more than just surviving. We can thrive. Yeah. And when we do these techniques, whichever one's like you like, find something that you like, that you enjoy, that brings you joy, creativity, writing, singing, dancing, you know, animals, all of these things are going to be good. I'm not saying you have to do all of them. Some days I do need all of them. <laughs> it's yeah. like layer, 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 light the candle, get the right, incense, dog, you know, time. get everything, <laughs> go outside, jump up and down. Yeah. That's another one. As a matter of fact, that one happened to me recently. I kind of went on a little slump and my depression hit pretty hard. And I literally couldn't get up to do my yoga. I couldn't. And that's why I say, I understand when people are like, well, I can't do yoga. I get that. So what was I going to do? I needed to do something. So I just was like, Oh God, what am I going to do? I flipped on some music and it just happened to be a song that was uplifting. And I just started jumping up and down and I just jumped up and down. And then I started dancing and then I started singing and then my day was grooving. (laughs) But that's what happened is I literally just stood there and kind of jumped up and down. Oh, wow. Just was like, just depressed and sad, (laughs) but I jumped up and down and I got at least enough energy going that I kind of, I did, I bounced myself out of it. Yeah. I love that you even mentioned that you recently had this lump because that's another thing I think, you know, in terms of healing, it's not linear. It is no, not, not this, at all. You're not walking up this hill that's just <laughs> nice and smooth and the trajectory is just, you know, no, we not are, all. it's hills and valleys. It's yeah. like, if you've ever been on a weight loss journey, I'm kind of on one right now. And when I, I weigh myself every day and it's, you know, one day I dropped three pounds and then I gained one and then I dropped another and then I gained three pounds. And it's, you know, in the short term sense from day to day, I feel like, I'm, is this even going anywhere? But when I look at 
the overall progress, it is going down, but you know, like this. Yeah. Um, And I think healing is very much the same and it's totally healing. Yeah, it is. And, but the good thing about healing is when we do get to those points, hopefully we've got a tool that we learned that helped us. And so now we have a toolbox and we're like, okay, well, I'm gonna put that one in the toolbox. And then when it happens again, you go in there and you're like, oh, what have I got in here today? This one's going to help. I've even discovered I'm caffeine sensitive, but lately caffeine has been helping me. If I take a little bit when I'm depressed with that jumping up and down, there's another one. (laughs) I don't know if other people are like that. Um, I started thinking about it when people were talking about um, ADD and ADHD and how caffeine and stimulants affect them. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I introduced caffeine into my system in little bit of doses, if it would actually help me because too much and I get crazed. But yeah, um, I get anxiety. If I yeah. have a morning coffee to, to get my day started, but mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think I will ever give that up. But yeah. if I have coffee throughout the day, I noticed a few years ago, I get very, yeah. uh, it makes my yeah. anger worse and my anxiety just poof, it just kicks right. the roof. But just a moderate amount of it, yeah. I was like, that that worked. So I was like, I don't have to have, you know, a bunch like you know some people carry around mugs and maybe yeah, yeah, they yeah. do need that much but <laughs> I didn't <laughs> yeah and I think uh let's see what I was going to say something yeah this this change to allow for change right I say that I say yes. that a lot when it comes to adoptees telling their story and taking ownership of their story mm-hmm. uh if you look at how I share my story it has changed over time when I first right shared I did it based on what's in my papers today I tell it completely differently and it's changed over time and so with healing and what works for you always try new things always allow for change maybe for some time caffeine is really not good for you but then exactly because you feel different parts and look in the toolbox see what's a good one (laughs) yeah that might not be the one that day you might just need to go back to bed you might need you might need to just go back to sleep naps are sometimes exactly the right answer Naps. I do that a lot. I do <laughs> call like I shut down. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's it. I can't. And then just allow myself to say, now right. I'm lucky to have, I work from home. I'm, I'm self-employed uh, freelance translator. So I have that opportunity and my husband's a business owner as well. So, nice. you know, that gives room for that. But yeah, if you can nap, yeah. highly recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the stories do change. Like you were saying, uh, from the time I started talking, um, I, I met my father this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't even known him a year yet and another sister. So that's another reunion. That was, you know, there were two reunions in there that went completely different and how people reacted to me. So yeah, stories vary greatly and you'll meet new people sometimes, cousins and stuff that pop in out that want to talk to you, which is really nice. Usually cousins are fun. Mm, yeah I have I mean it's distant I've done uh, one DNA test and mm-hmm. have distant cousins like second or beyond um who are many of them also adoptees so <laughs> we are on this journey together for sure I have one of those yep that we went on the journey together <laughs> yeah one of them we actually came out of the fog together so during a whole me and her day, did too oh, okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was very helpful I think I would yeah. have uh, lost it uh, if I didn't have yeah that, for sure yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, is there anything, I feel like we've talked so much uh, oh, and covered. Yes. Yeah. But we do need to else. talk about the t-shirt before we go. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Um, last month 
I uh, let adoptees share their voice and creativity. And I had some amazing adoptees share some uh, quotes and poems and a beautiful artwork. And then I let everybody vote and everybody decided on the t-shirt. So we have a winner of uh, an adoptee t-shirt. It's being printed here locally in Tulsa. So I'm, we're doing a local business and we're going to be shipping them out. Uh, we had a little glitch with the international shipping this weekend. I'm going to hopefully have that fixed by Monday. But all the t-shirts that are sold are going to go to Adoptees Connect. And the reason why I chose that nonprofit for the first one, because hopefully we'll do this again, was because last year around Adoptee Remembrance Day and Adoptees Connect, they were one of the first organizations that I found. Hmm. that had other adoptee voices. And I thought that that was the perfect, this was the perfect time this year to share their mission and hopefully get the t-shirts sold and give them some money. And hopefully they can start some new cities. And, and they're also in Canada and the UK. So even another country maybe. So, cause again, adoptees, we need to talk to one another. So hopefully we can raise some money for them. Um, all of the information is on the adopted chameleon and adoptees connect. They of course have that information too. And please go read about the artist uh, is Shirley McKenzie. She's from Canada. She is, her art hangs in private collections, museums, and her illustrations are in books. She's also an author. She's amazing. And I just thank her for giving her design for this t-shirt. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, Adoptees Connect uh, is an organization, just like you, was one of the first that I found. And Pamela Caranova, the founder yes. of Adoptees Connect, was actually my first guest on the podcast oh, wow. before Adoptee Remembrance Day. And yeah, absolutely. I would love for you to give me the information. I will put it in the show notes directly here in the episode um, and also Great. link out to, to your website and to theirs. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I will definitely. It goes to a good cause. Yeah. And it's a great time of year, uh, season of giving. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. And we'll have uh, the site up until November 30th. So you can purchase t-shirts and it's a pre-sale because this is a local shop. Mm -hmm. So we, you purchase them and then she's going to go into printing them and shipping them out. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so before we close this out, uh, I have this one question that I ask everyone who comes on as a guest. I believe in speaking things out into the universe and manifesting. And I think if we can do it collectively together in this energy of speaking our dreams out loud, I want to offer that space to my fellow adoptees and guests that come on. So my question to you as we close out this episode is, what is your dream for adoptees? Well, um, there's probably several, but <laughs> we'll just say that I, I want all adoptees to be seen and heard mm -hmm. because once you're seen and heard, it, you can speak your truth. And that's another thing. I want them to be able to speak their truth. I don't want them to have to hide behind fake names and things. I want them to be able to go to uh, their biological or adoptive family or whatever and say, hey, I'm hurting. Can we do this together? Because that's in community is how you heal. You can't do it alone. You need to community to heal. So that is my hope 
uh, for all adoptees is to be seen and heard in community. And if you can't find it within the biological or adoptive family, please find us and we're family. Yes, I share your dream. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being Thank here today, you. for sharing so openly and bravely with us. And I'm sure as other adoptees find this episode, um, they'll find validation, support, and comfort in what you've shared here today. And hopefully also some hope and, and they can start building their toolbox of yeah. strategies and, and techniques to uh, get through the dark times and, and move on to lighter and, and brighter. Join me on the map. <laughs> yeah join me on the mat sometime yeah absolutely uh so yeah thank you so much thank you before we end today's episode i want to say once again thank you for being here for spending time with me and for listening to the conversations that i have with my guests here on this adoptee life podcast please go ahead and follow this adoptee life podcast and leave a review I would love to hear from you and it really does help get our show out there to more people so that the world can learn about adoption from a new angle, from a new perspective, and from the people that live it every day of our lives, us adoptees. Mentioned in the podcast was NAM. For those of you who are not familiar with NAM, it stands for National Adoption Awareness Month. It is during the month of November, and originally it was, an, it was a campaign to raise awareness about children in foster care who needed what some people call forever families through adoption. It has since become a social media celebration of adoption with the claim that it's still to raise awareness. I won't go into whether or not I agree with that, whether or not that's a good thing, but I will say that what many adoptees do is that during November, they put extra effort, spend extra time, and engage with extra energy to try to counteract some of this celebration of adoption. So if you have the chance to elevate adoptive voices, to center adoptive voices by supporting, sharing our content online, or just in conversations that you have with people, that would be one way to support us in these efforts. I thank you all so much. And until next time. To all my fellow adoptees, P.S., let's be in this together.